Welcome to the Bible in Our Culture, an outreach radio ministry of Liberty Remnant Church, where we encourage you to view the culture through the lens of the Holy Bible. And welcome once again to the Bible and Our Culture. I have another special guest this week. I haven't actually taught from the Bible on the Bible in Our Culture for a few weeks because I've had such excellent guests with us. But today is no exception. We did not want to miss out on the opportunity to have my good friend, Jim. Jim, would you welcome the listeners and tell a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, uh, Pastor Jay. Uh, my name is Jim Doman, and I'm married with three kids. Uh, I get to live a restored life on uh, earth, thankfully. Uh, and I really think the reason why Jay had me on your, the show today is I came out of homosexuality 21 years ago. June 8th, 2002, wow. I gave my life back to Christ. Excellent. And you have a uh, ministry, a lot of things that God's leading you to lead and direct? Yeah, I was on pastoral staff at a church, and God called me from the kind of the pulpit, I'll say, to uh, culture and helping now senior pastors engage in government. It's called Excellent. Church United. Church United. That is phenomenal. Pastors engaging in government. That's right up the alley with us here at the Bible in Our Culture and our sponsor, Liberty Remnant Church. So you mentioned you came out of a lifestyle of homosexuality. What do you feel the root causes of homosexuality? A lot of uh, homosexuals say they were born that way. How do you see it? I really don't believe anyone is born gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender. And and I the word transgender, I'll, I'll use a, a better term, sex confused, Okay, which is really a serious mental health disorder. But on the the trans issues separate from homosexuality and its environment. Now, the left, those who are pro-LGBTQ will say, no, we're born this way, we can't change, it's immutable. When the reality is, just even look at the number of the exponential growth of LGBTQ people and it, yeah. within the last three years, let alone five years, that's genetically impossible. Why? Because it's environment, it's developmental. And when you bro breach these topics of sex and other issues specifically to young children, it warps their minds and their hearts. And that's why we're seeing an exponential growth of LGBTQ people. But with the issue of being gay or struggling with same-sex attraction, that's rooted in father-son relationships. Either the lack of connecting with your father or other men as a child and all little boys have a legitimate need to connect with their fathers or men in appropriate, healthy ways. But when those needs don't get met, when those boys hit puberty, they become sexualized. And they, re they so they're trying to meet a legitimate need in an unhealthy, destructive way. Well, you mentioned environments. We went to uh, Ethiopia a couple times, our, our, my wife and I, and each time they didn't know anything about homosexuality, couldn't even fathom the idea of homosexuality. Men would walk in the crowded city streets, sometimes holding hands, which was nothing to them other than they were friends and didn't want to get separated. Then come back to America and see all this LGBT shoved down our throats. It's, uh, it, it made me think it's got to be environment. You know what? I, I got to say it's sickening and it's offensive to me. I got rid of our television in 2013. On occasion, when I travel, I might turn on a TV or be somewhere. All the commercials are LGBTQ. The shows, they continue to promote a lifestyle that's that's not only anti-Bible, it's anti-God. Yeah. And they continue to push this, let alone what's happening on social media with children, is the logarithms and what it is telling kids is good, which is not. And I think, so again, it, it comes back to environment and through media, social media, and then now well, not now, it's been happening for 
at least in California, for well over a decade, the indoctrination of LGBTQ to children as young as little as kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. It seems to me that anytime somebody's identity becomes their sexuality and their sexual behavior, we got a problem. How would, how would you relate uh, sexuality and identity? You know, uh, unfortunately, the LGBTQ community believes their sexuality is their identity. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something. I grew up in the church. I knew the truth. And although I battled with same-sex attraction since I was in seventh grade. So there is a phrase that goes around in the church, which is really harmful. And I think it's good for Christians to know, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner. One, that's not biblical. Find me a verse in the Bible where that says that's not biblical. Maybe the concept, theologically, you might say, okay, you might be able to extrapolate that. But when a person who's LGBTQ hears that statement, all they hear is you hate them because they cannot separate their identity from their sexuality. And let me give this example. As heterosexual men, how come we don't have heterosexual parades? Yeah. Why, don't we have, why don't we celebrate heterosexuals, you know, in the month of, I don't know, pick a month. Okay, right. let's do August or, you know, or July after, you know, this June Pride Month. Why? Because it's normal. Yeah. This is how God designed it. This is, we're not trying to convince the world that this is, you know, abnormal and that LGBTQ is normal. Biblical narrative only supports men, women, marriage at micro and macro levels. Can you unpack that? When I first discovered this, it was fascinating. Actually, one of uh, a, f- a friend that mentored me helped me really turn me on to this. You know, you can get so many intellectual academics, even cr- people professing to be Christians, which I don't know how you can be per- Christian and contradict scripture. Right. But they'll take these passages at the micro level and say, well, that's not what really the scripture is saying. That's not really what Paul meant. I'm like, what? I mean, Romans 1 is clear. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 is so clear. I don't have time to unpack those and preach those uh, on, on your show today, but it's so evidently clear. Oh, oh no, Pastor Jim. You know, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, it was a sin of inhospitality. Oh, my. Okay, I get the, the thought of inhospitality in that culture, but literally, Lot said, don't do this wicked thing with these men. Let me give you my virgin daughters. And I'm sharing this because that's more in the micro level. I mean, the micro level, but at the macro level, the narrative of the whole of scripture, Genesis, in the beginning, God created Adam and Steve. No, wait, it was Adam and Eve. And through that, he birthed humanity. We only see stories of heterosexual couples from Old to New Testament. Even John the Baptist, a religious leader, called the most powerful man of the known world, King Herod, out on the sin of adultery. We see scripture as the church being the bride and Christ being the groom. It's always a male and female at the, at the narrative level and at the word upon word level. So share your story a little bit more. How did, how did you come to Jesus? How did you get awakened to your needs and, and your, your situation? Great question. I grew up in the church. I knew the truth. And I was struggling as a seventh grader in junior high. I was reading God's word, praying, and asking him to take the same-sex traction away, and he didn't. I uh, went there. We have a camp in California called Forest Home. I uh, went up there on a junior high retreat, shared with the youth worker, and then she was like, I think you need to tell the, the youth pastor I shared with him. And ever since seventh grade, I struggled with same-sex attraction. Tried to 
had a girlfriend in high school that didn't go really well, but just tried to hide it and not tell anyone about it. Now, mind you, I, tr- I just turned 50 this month. So high school was a long time ago. So it wasn't as pervasive in our culture. It was more secretive, I'll say. So I struggled till my sophomore year in high school, told my youth pastor, and he recommended I share with my parents, and I did. Well, fast forward, went to counseling, got a great foundation of understanding, same-sex attraction, root causes from a psychological level aligned with the, uh, the Bible, which is fantastic. But when I hit 23, I said, God, I want to love and be loved, and your plan isn't in it for me. And then I decided to come out as gay, and I did. I came out in Portland, Oregon, and uh, lived the lifestyle for five years. And I'm actually, uh, Pastor Jay, thankful it was only five. Many, I have friends that have been in it for decades and, you know, come out of it or give their lives to Christ and change the direction of which they were going, but it's at the end of their life. And like I mentioned, I'm grateful I get to live somewhat of a restored life on earth with my, uh, you know, having a wife and three children. Excellent. How did you meet your wife? Great story. I went to Azusa Pacific University for my Master of Divinity. And uh, I finished, was a senior speaker, but didn't finish my thesis. Or I think, I forgot what they called it. But anyway, my final paper. And I did that two years later. And they mailed my diploma to the wrong address. And it got returned. So someone at the university called, said, hey, your diploma got returned. What do you want want us to do with it? And I said, I worked really hard on that. I'm going to drive up on my lunch break and go get it. As I did... And this is uh, one of the chapters in my book is called A Divine Mistake. Uh, that's how I met my wife. She wow. managed the front office of the Graduate Center for all the grad students in the university. And she, her office was in another room, not in the same area or building. She just happened to be behind the desk when I walked into the door. And she said, how can I help you? I told her what was going on. And she goes, oh, here's your diploma. Why don't you take it out and read it? So I did. And I said, this is a miracle. I've come out of homosexuality. I'm a pastor. Uh, and I just bought my uh, first home and now my master of divinity. And she looked me right in the eyes and said, it sounds like God has restored the years the locust to be. Wow. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, who's this chick? Quoting Joel chapter two, a minor prophet in the Old Testament. Christians don't know scripture like this. Who is this woman? And as we started conversing, I just saw Jesus in her eyes. And my heart was, Lord, I want to find a woman who loves Jesus more than me. Mm-hmm. And I found that woman that day married her nine months later, <laughs> nine months, nine yes. months courtship and engagement. Wow. Well, when you're on the older side, I was like okay. 34 and she was 30. You know, I was a singles pastor. I knew what was available. There you go. <laughs> I thought all the good ones were taken and, uh, uh, God saved her for me. And it's just, it's been an incredible journey. Yeah. We'll be celebrating 15 years this next year. Awesome. Congratulations. You mentioned your book. Tell us about your book and books. Yeah, so I wrote my first book, Not a Mistake, Parents Hope for Their Gay Son. And my heart in this book was to bring encouragement to parents who have or dealing with a child who's struggling with same-sex attraction or is out and they're claiming to be gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender. The book is about my story, points people to Jesus, but it's really to encourage parents and to help walk with them as they're journeying through this. Actually, we'll be releasing a video series and study guide in the next couple of weeks, Um, but the book is geared towards that, but my heart was to point people to Jesus, but at the end of the book, I include 19 former LGBTQ people. I just didn't want it to be about me. I want it to be about Jesus and that he can change anyone. And I tell these stories or they brief, brief testimonials of these 19 black, brown, white, male and female from across the globe. 
And actually, if you get the book on Audible, we have some of their actual voices uh, sharing their stories. You hear their, the broken English. You hear the emotion in their voices and how the similar threads of stories, like what we talked briefly about, root causes and the issues that these boys and women have gone through, or young ladies, I should say, or girls have gone through and what skewed their sexuality. Oh, and the second book, I got to tell you that I'm actually, I, I almost feel more excited about this book because it's more mainstream, but it's Breaking Sin's Grass, Your Temptation Doesn't Define You. I too did a study guide and video series with that, but my heart was to help set men free in the church. If I've been set free from the sins of homosexuality, the process is the same. You may, Most men don't deal with LGBTQ issues. But they deal with it's porn, sex before marriage. I mean, those are probably two big ones right there. But Mm -hmm. whatever your sin issue or issues are, I wanted a book that was practical and helped men walk through how to be set free. And then we're going to offer online coaching, like a seven-week series to help set men free whatever, whatever sin they're dealing with. Excellent. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Two years ago, Liberty Remnant Church was founded in Spokane by a group of committed Christ followers who, believing God, sought to build a distinct local church for His glory. LRC is a simple, relational, biblical church that holds firm to the basic tenets of biblical Christianity. We believe we are to represent Christ's love, power, and wisdom in every and any facet of society. Perhaps you've seen our pastor, Jay McPherson, or others from Liberty Remnant Church, either standing up at Spokane City Hall or at a local school board meeting in the area. We believe we are called to be salt and light as we bring people to new life in Christ. If you are looking for a local church or know someone who is, please consider what God is doing at Liberty Remnant Church. We meet every Sunday at the Oakwood Inn, 7919 North Division at 10 a.m. For more information, or to contact our pastor, please check out our website at libertyremnantchurch.org. Once again, that's libertyremnantchurch.org. And we're back to the Bible and our culture, where we look at the culture through the lens of the Bible, not vice versa. So if you've been listening, you know that we are really looking at the culture through the lens of the Bible today with my distinguished guest, Pastor Jim Doman, who's written a few books, got a tremendous testimony, And we were talking about those before the break. Your first book I'd like to talk about for a bit. Could you reiterate the name of that book? Yes, Not a Mistake, Parents' Hope for Their Gay Son. So it's written mostly for parents who are dealing with maybe a gay or lesbian child. Correct. How does the sin being shoved down our culture, how should your average Christian parent raise their kids differently? You know, um, so from the beginning, my wife and I decided we wanted a homeschool. And as I mentioned earlier, we, act, we don't even watch television in our home because the commercials are so inappropriate. And I'm, I want to walk in purity and righteousness. And I think if I, if I can't look at certain images, what's on the television, what is a young child going to do and respond to that, let alone on my phone? I no longer keep social media apps on my phone because they'll put porn, they'll put inappropriate content. And if I don't want my eyes seeing that, I don't want my children's eyes seeing that. And I'm not even looking for it. And I actually asked one of my video, my young guys, videographers, and he said, they do it to hook you. Yeah. So in our home, we don't have television. I read the news and our children are not on devices. Now, one night a week, we'll have movie night. 
and we'll watch some old classic Disney movie that's appropriate, nothing new, and unless we've watched it first. And you can't even trust even the Christian sites that view movies because I think they leave out a lot of stuff that there's content we don't want our children seeing. So they're not being indoctrinated with the LGBTQ agenda or the homosexual agenda in schooling. In, in, and you know what? They're innocent. It's beautiful. Wow. Now, you know, they're friends. We hang out with a lot of homeschoolers. So, But so, someone might say, we don't have that option. Well, I would encourage you, and I tell this to everyone, public schools are demonic prisons. Get your children out of public schools. Oh, but Pastor Jim, we are to be called salt and light. We're not, you, we, it's a system that is failing and we cannot save it and change it. We're not called to save public education. And, with, and the, here's another thing. Sexual sins and sexual indoctrination affects your soul. This is a different wow. type of issue. And we don't realize when we expose children to inappropriate content and things that's contra- uh, is, is contrary to God's design and plan, that rewires their brains. Wow. We're having, and I, I'm not an expert, but I've got plenty of friends who are former transgender male and female, but we're seeing an enormous uptick of the trans issue. That's a serious mental health issue if a child thinks they're born in the wrong body or they think otherwise. But the problem is in your state here in Washington, and moms and dads, if your child is doing that, flee the state. The moment the state comes in and removes your child here in the state of Washington, you haven't got a prayer because that child is now the property of the state and they're going to they're going to the minute they start injecting hormones or removing body parts, you cannot undo that. It destroys their bodies. And oh, and they'll they'll argue it doesn't. You ask any of my former trans people that have gone back to their biological sex and want to have children or want to be able to procreate and physically can no longer do that because a male's taken estrogen or a female's taken testosterone and they have destroyed their bodies internally. Yeah, we've talked a lot about that new crazy law that is mutilating, that is destructive, and it legalizes kidnapping yes and we're looking at the courts and other ways to overturn it and uh, it's a good fight if you're here in washington thank you for standing and fighting but we've we've got to be vigilant about this issue either your child or the child of somebody you know is going to suffer because of the brutality of our state government my kids go to christian school okay and they're told that they've if they don't have a device i mean they don't belong there they're out of it they're something's defective about them. How have your kids, if you don't mind me prying, how have they responded to not having devices? So wait, real, real clarity, does Christian school allows them to have devices? Yes. Oh, interesting. Okay. So they, my wife and I have cell phones. Um, they're not allowed on them. Although I think they've figured out the codes or, you know, they watch us enough. They can know what our, you know, our codes to get in, but they know they're not to be on our devices period. And that's just, we don't permit that. We don't allow it. And I think what happens is I think parents forget you need to parent your child. The device isn't, and there's digital addictions and I don't have time to get into that whole topic, Mm -hmm. but that's also a huge issue. But again, moms and dads, you need to parent your children. 
they don't need a phone. They don't need a phone to go to school. They don't need a phone to, so you can call them or whatever. Your child does not need a phone. You want to know what? I survived without a phone. You know, you don't have to be in constant communication. There's, we've all, we, we've all bought this lie that every child needs a phone. Well, one, it's expensive. Two, why do you want to expose them to such inappropriate content? And, and, and let alone their friends could have phones. So you know, we've already had these conversations with all three of our kids. What do you do if you see something inappropriate? And we've already started doing that with my five-year-old, seven and nine-year-old, and they know they're to turn it off, walk away, and let mom and daddy know, or a responsible parent, um, well, they may not be able to determine that, but at least let mom and daddy know that they saw something they shouldn't, and then we'll walk with them through that when that happens. But thank God that is yet to happen. Awesome. What would you tell a parent, they have a young child and they learn that they're dealing with same-sex attraction or other LGBT issues. Yeah, it's happening younger and younger. Um, and I want moms and dads, I want to encourage you, your child's going to need an excellent therapist, counselor. Most pastors aren't equipped to deal with this specifically with children. Um, but first and foremost, you need to vet that therapist. You need oh, to vet yeah. that counselor because they'll stick the stamp of Christianity. And when you're not in there, they'll, they'll, they'll be talking to them about transitioning and oh, oh, maybe you really, if it's a girl, you're really meant to be a boy. You don't know what's going on behind those closed doors. You need to vet them out and make sure they're biblical. They're speaking truth and directing your child in a direction that's godly and appropriate, primarily dealing with the mental health crisis than which they're dealing with. Specifically, if it's a trans issue, if it's homosexuality um, or lesbianism, same thing. You need to vet the therapist and you just can't, I would encourage you. Well, my pastor said they were good. No, you need to do the homework, take the time and make sure they're going to give them godly counsel and in a path that's going to help them understand the root causes and issues. Where would you find somebody like this? I mean, I'd be really concerned who I would let uh, have my kids ear in that type of relationship for very long. Absolutely. Um, you could. I would start with your pastor. If they know some local counselors in the area, reach out to them and say, hey, my child's dealing with, you know, he thinks he's gay. He's, let's say, I don't know, let's say 13 years old. Are you able to help him? Yeah, we can help them. Okay, what's your view on homosexuality? What's your view on scripture? How how would you counsel my child if he's struggling with this issue? What would you tell him? Or what would you not tell him? And have them, let they need to tell you the path they would guide their child. Now, understand, a therapist can't force somebody to go the right direction, but they can ask questions. They can prompt them to help them see the destructive behaviors and patterns and under, better understand why they might be dealing with this. Obviously, at age appropriateness, if it's a 13-year-old compared, when I went to counseling at 16, you know, I had a therapist that laid down the, the root causes, understanding, and the need for me to connect with men in healthy ways. Excellent. How would you advise parents if they're, child is an adult, let's say, and they're still living in, the, in your home, but they're what practicing or um, heading towards a gay lifestyle. Sure. And again, it's almost like back to the cell phone issues, mom and dads, you're the parent, continue to parent. And let's define adult, let's say 18. So if your son is a senior in high school and 18s, you know, you're still kind of living under your roof. You still can put down guidelines. Mm -hmm. No, you can't look at porn. You can't You can't be engaging in homosexual activity in our home. This is our home. And you need to set those boundaries. Um, 
and moms and dads, you need to be on the same page of this, as this and where you can set up some guidelines and boundaries and share them with your son. But if they're post, let's say high school, they're out, you know, they're in college and they're living like this. Well, you might have to ask them to leave your home that this is, hey, this is a godly home. And my parents did the same thing to me. This is a holy home. This is a godly home. This is how God has asked us to live. We're not to have sex outside of marriage. But if you're going to live like this, you're not welcome to be in our home. And we're not going to pay your college tuition. We're not going to pay your bills. We're not going to pay for your cell phone. This is this is this is what it looks like when you live under a roof of a of a, of a home who honors and fears God and follows Scripture. And that might be a really difficult conversation to have because your child might say, "Screw you, I'm leaving." Mm-hmm. Or you know, they'll probably say something worse. But you know, out the door they go and. Yes, it's tragic. It's horrible. I mean, I would hope that'd never happen. I'd never have to live through that. But that's when you get on your knees, you begin praying and fasting and interceding that the Lord would, you know, go after your child. It seems like there's such a pressure, even for pastors, claim to be Bible-believing pastors, to sort of go along with with this message. And they're they're pretty soft on it in a lot of churches, at least in the state of Washington, I assume other other places around the Northwest. What What is it that uh, you think is tempting pastors to be secularized on this issue? I think they're afraid of the backlash. One, I think there's not enough equipping. And I I found this with Church United and pastors in government. When we go to DC or we go to uh, Sacramento, the state capitol, I love to talk about taboo topics. Let's talk about immigration. Let's talk about CRT. Let's talk about Black Lives Matter. Let's talk about all these issues and equip pastors because the seminaries aren't talking about it. And many of them are capitulating to supporting LGBTQ agenda. That's a whole nother conversation. But it's, I like to talk about these and better equip them. And I love, we do a thing called Revealing the Rainbow. And I bring out a former homosexual, a former lesbian, a former bisexual, a former trans male who, who's gone back to female and a former trans female who's gone back or back to male. And they tell their stories at churches, hear from people who've been radically transformed by Christ. And I, it, it's, it's hard. I can't get enough pastors to want to host one of these. And if they would only want to host it, but again, I think they're afraid of the backlash. We might offend somebody or whatever. No, we're called to speak the truth. The truth shall set you free. And the pastors that support this, they're heretics. Because you and I, I, I shudder to think on judgment day what God will do to them because they are intentionally denying the transformational power of Jesus Christ by yeah. not preaching the, all of scripture as God intended it. Heretics, exactly. But no one calls them that. No, no one. Everyone's afraid to call it. And I, I actually just write an article. Hopefully, the uh, the two public publishers will publish it. But I talk about it. You cannot be gay and Christian. You, 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 you That's an oxymoron. I'm, you can't be an adulterer and a Christian. You can't be a fornicator and a Christian. You can't be a drunkard and a Christian. You might struggle with these issues, right. but that's again, that's not your identity. Your identity is mm-hmm. in Christ. And so, but there's pastors that are preaching that, yes, you can have an identity that's gay or lesbian or what have you. It's heresy. Yeah, absolutely. We're about out of time. Kind of related to that question. I've heard a lot of pastors talk about what you should do if your LGBT child wants to bring a partner over for the holidays. Great question. Let me show what my parents did. They said no. 
And I was furious. How dare you call yourself Christians? You don't know God. You don't know Jesus. But you know what? When I came back to the Lord, I was grateful they did because I had a safe home sanctuary to come home to. And they had set up a boundary. And you know what? That's love. That's accountability. That's what God does. And that's what my parents role model. Excellent. Well, we've had a great time with our guest, Pastor Jim Doman. He's going to be with us next week to talk about some other things that are happening. But before we go, Jim, what's a website we can find more information about what you're doing? I've got a couple. My name, jimdoman.com, or a website from both the books, um, notamistake.com and breakingsinsgrasp.com. Excellent. Sure to check out the websites. See you next time. Thank you for listening to The Bible in Our Culture an outreach radio ministry of Liberty Remnant Church. If you want to support this ministry financially, you could do so by going to our website, libertyremnantchurch.org backslash give, and select radio ministry. See you next week at the same time.